So, Mike, what an incredible weekend for James Cameron winning the box office Super Bowl, having two movies in the top echelon of both the global and the domestic chart with the 25th anniversary, really 27 years, but 25th anniversary Titanic and Avatar Tiwao, as I like to call it, The Way of Water, in the top five box office, Avatar The Way of Water coming in at number two with about 6.884 million based on the estimates and Titanic coming in at number three with 6.4 million. Mike, that's unprecedented. I don't know of another time where a director has two movies 30 years apart in the top five. It reminded me of the Beatles when the Beatles would have, you know, two or three songs in the top five. Mike, I love it. You're weaving in the Beatles. There you go. You know, so we're now going to call James Cameron the fifth Beatle. That is completely unprecedented. I do not remember that ever happening before. And they're both over $2 billion. Whale Water is now $2.2 billion and counting. That to me is, we've talked about it before. We go into Avatar and everybody is thinking, okay, the first one was a global phenomenon, but that was 13 years ago. And is it a moment in time or is it an evergreen? And I guess the answer is it's an evergreen. I agree. I think there's some magic going on with James Cameron. I mean, he's just in it. He never stops. He better create an avatar of himself to keep making movies you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, because the legacy of what he's done in his career will live on. Well, look at his body of work, though. I guess he doesn't get enough credit, like a Spielberg, like a Zemeckis, for being just a great storyteller. You're right. He doesn't get that. But you know what he's got, Mike? Billions and billions of box office. But that's not what it's all about. He is a great storyteller. Absolutely. He's a great storyteller, but when you look at the body of work, you know, they're kind of very different movies. You have the Terminator saga that he put together, and of course he did one and two, which were amazing movies. He picked up the Alien franchise, which were different types of movies from that. And then, of course, you have the Avatar series. So when you look at what Cameron's put together, he's gone in different directions but he just is a great storyteller, and I don't think he gets enough credit for that. I agree, and The Abyss is still one of my favorite movies, and the making of The Abyss is as entertaining as the movie itself. If you, if you haven't had a chance, if you're listening on YouTube somewhere, there's a video about that giant water tank and the tarp over the top and the recording the sound underwater and the helmets, and I could go on. It, it's incredible. That's a good point. You bring up The Abyss. Let's not forget Titanic. And now Way of Water. Remember, he had the 3D uh, dive movie, which... That's right. There's something about Cameron and water. There is. The Way of Water. James Cameron, The Way of Water. There you go. (laughs) All right, Mike. Well, we had to touch on that. Really interesting box office news, having those two big films. I think this would be a perfect cold open to lead into our latest Super Bowl episode with James Cameron really winning the box office Super Bowl this weekend. How are you, Paul? Mike, I guess that lets everybody know that it's Super Bowl weekend. Very much so, Mike. And we have a a lot to talk about, don't we? Did you watch the game yesterday? And I know you're not the biggest sports fan, Paul. I'm not. I'm more of a movie guy. 
but they had some good trailers on the Super Bowl for movies, but more or less had the big game on in the background while at a really nice, if you will, dive bar in the Valley, which was really fun. Which dive bar were you at? I can't name it. Ah, uh, I'll get sued. Ah, uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Because I'm always looking for a good dive bar. And I'll tell you where it is, and it's great. By the way, they have great music there. Really good sound quality. They weren't playing music, live music yesterday. But what a great spot. We had a great time. Enjoyed a lot of beer. But just a lot of talking. Not a lot of watching the game in this group. Well, as a sports fan, I can say it was one of the better Super Bowls you're going to watch. Fantastic game. You alluded to it. The movies were back in a big way. Some great commercials that were shown for uh, upcoming film. And the folks in my group, we had a bunch of people over, were, you know, glued to the screen when the movie ads came on. Well, when all the ads came on. Yeah. It was real a lot of fun. It was cool. Like it shows the movies are back. You know what I mean? This sort of signifies that. Well, the movies are back. But even on top of it, so T-Mobile had a great ad with uh, Zach Braff and Donald Fazian and John Travolta, and they did a kind of a send-up to Greece and to Summer Nights as they were singing about the internet connection in their neighborhood. But to your point, the movies were huge in there, or a lot of the ads actually kind of played on their own theme. Paramount Plus had an ad that kind of played on Cliffhanger a little bit, had Stallone hanging from the side of a mountain as the uh, Mount Rushmore of Stallone started talking to him as well. So that was a lot of fun. But the movie ads in general, the Indiana Jones one, of course, is like, I'm in. When do we get to see the film? You know, Guardians of the Galaxy had a new spot that they rolled out, which looked fantastic. Creed had a spot which looked great. Oh, and the air spot. Let's talk about that, which just dropped onto the release schedule last week, where you have Matt Damon and Ben Affleck back together again. And this is the story of how the Air Jordan sneaker came to be. Yeah, that popped onto my radar recently. I'm like, what is this? And it's like, that's my kind of movie. I love biopics like that or just true stories but recounted in a feature film looks really cool looks really cool it looks great so when you look at the difference between this year and i mean there's a lot of differences and i'm going to segue now into uh, our favorite topic and that is box office itself coming into the weekend what were we running paul like 40 50 50 percent above actually 50 percent ahead last year year to date and this was the interesting thing. There was only really one more wide release so far in the marketplace this year than last year. And yet we were 50% ahead of box office and the doors are going to get blown off of that this week as Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania rolls into theaters. And I do want to like put some expectations on that one as well. In the press, we've seen quotes of up to $120 million of projected ticket sales for opening weekend. I went back and looked, and I really want to put this into a little bit of context of what we're looking at here. And that is, we went through this with Thor over the summer. And if you remember, Love and Thunder took a bit of a beating saying it underperformed. There were some press stories saying that is Thor and the Marvel brand getting tired. And then as you looked at it, Love and Thunder was actually the highest grossing of the Thor standalone movies. So then... That gets you into, okay, here we go again, almost a rerun of where we were with Avatar back in December, where all of the pre-release projections were the movie could do $200 million. It could do this. It could do that. And you and I went and said, hold on a second. Let's look at what 
the Cameron movies usually do. How do they play? And we kind of tried to set expectations on that. So now we're looking at Ant-Man and the Wasp, and it's kind of a similar situation where the first two movies, do you have the gross up on the first one when it it opened? Yeah, the first Ant-Man came out July 17, 2015. Opening weekend, $57.2 million. Total global gross of $519.3 million. So that was like the starting of the whole Ant-Man franchise. Then the second film in 2018 opened to 75.8 million, wound up with 622.6, really 0.7 million worldwide. So my point to the story, I guess, is let's put everything into expectation. You have a movie that did 57, did 77 or 76. And now we are saying it's going to leap to 120 because that's what this pre-release tracking might say. And of course, it's a four-day weekend. So we're talking about four as opposed to three-day numbers. But all of that being said, let's dial it back a little bit. I agree, Mike. That's always been an issue is managing expectations. Of course, Marvel, the bar is set so high. But you're right. When you go back and look at those opening weekend numbers, Ant-Man is a different kind of superhero And the trajectory of its box office is different. And so, like you very astutely pointed out, that Avatar The Way of Water opened at 134 and everyone deemed it a failure. There is no precedent for Ant-Man to open to 150, 160, 170. I mean, obviously, at any number, it's going to be a typical Marvel performance where it's going to be strong because of that brand. Well, and that's what it comes down to. But if this movie comes out and does $100 million over four days, that's a huge success when you think about it. That means it's continuing to increase its audience. Absolutely. While we may have gotten ahead of our skis and we're saying, well, it could go out and do $120 million. Let's be realistic about what the property is and where it can go. And we're ahead of the game is what it comes down to. Definitely. We didn't get a $100 million opener until the March 4th weekend of last year, and that was the Batman. Up until then, we had some surprises that came in. There was Uncharted, there was Lost City, but from a pure box office standpoint, it was a definite peak and valley kind of thing last year. This year has been more of a steady kind of growth. We're looking at this weekend, whatever Ant-Man does is going to be solid. And then you've got Creed that's coming up behind it. You then have Wick that's coming up behind it. So even going through the end of February into March, you're looking at a substantial amount of box office that's sitting out there. And I hope our exhibitor friends have stocked up on popcorn because they're going to be needing it. They're going to need it, Mike. And I think we pointed this out all year last year about the lack of product or the lack of movies and 41 fewer wide releases. This year, I think we're going to have 30 more wide releases than last year. And that's good news. Not to belabor the Oppenheimer reference, but I think Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania set off a chain reaction at the box office. And we're going to be very busy talking about this stuff. But I want to hit the rewind button just for a second, Mike. I just want to do a quick recap of Super Bowl weekends historically. And it was a rather slow weekend overall, generating just over $50 million for all films in the marketplace. That's certainly going to change this coming weekend. And Magic Mike's Last Dance was the number one film with the $8.2 million. But the Super Bowl weekends, I actually ran some Comscore numbers about Super Bowl weekend. It's interesting that going all the way back in this survey that I put together to 2006, that every Super Bowl weekend since 2006, and probably from before then, 
was down versus the previous weekend. And this year was no exception with this weekend down about 36% versus last weekend, the weekend before the Super Bowl weekend. And that's just sort of traditional. But as you mentioned in your comment this past weekend and paraphrasing what I was talking about as well, was that to get over a hundred million on a Super Bowl weekend oh, for all films and marketplaces, very rare. It's only happened a few times. The Miley Cyrus movie, the concert tour, the Hannah Montana concert tour, that powered a $128 million Super Bowl weekend. The weekend that Taken, the great Liam Neeson action film, was released on Super Bowl weekend. It's pretty cool that they went out with that, not fearing that Super Bowl would take away from an action movie aimed not to stereotype, but more at the male audience. I think it would be nice to see studios, just like with Labor Day weekend, Mike, get more on board with Super Bowl weekend. Maybe we'll see that in the future. There is an opportunity to do well, but I think there's a lot of superstition around it just because generally it is a slow or down weekend, but there are times in history where it can do well. Yeah. And it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're absolutely right. I mean, there have been some movies that have gone out. Taken is a great example. Taken though, if you remember the story on that, Paul, the U.S. was the last market to open. They were kind of looking for a place to put it. There were no other films on the release date. It found Super Bowl weekend and it kind of showed that you're right. People will come out and see it. Now, this is for the box office nerds that are out there like myself. And that is Sunday of Super Bowl weekend is going to be off usually anywhere from 60, 65% from Saturday. A normal drop this time of the year is looking like 35, 40% on Sunday to Saturday. So you see that you're losing a significant amount of box office. That's just inherent. It's built into what the weekend is because the Super Bowl has turned into a national holiday, you can even call it a worldwide holiday now. That being said, that doesn't mean there's not opportunity. If you remember, Dear John went out on Super Bowl weekend, forgot what year that was. That was 2010. And what did it do, Paul? It did 30.5 million. That's right. So the idea is... It's a nice number. It's a huge number. There's a counter-programming opportunity that's out there. And American Sniper. Mike, when I look at this, yes, Dear John... Warm Bodies, Chronicle, When a Stranger Calls, so and the Miley Cyrus concert tour. So you've got like horror movies looked at as counter-programming, romance films looking at counter-programming, Magic Mike looking like something that would be counter-programmed to the Super Bowl, but also American Sniper did $30.6 million. It didn't open on Super Bowl weekend back in 2015. It powered the Super Bowl weekend in 2015 to $101.8 million. And again, earned $30.7 million. So if you build it, they will come, Mike. I just wish the industry would take that to heart and go with some big movies on these dates. It's fine. I mean, obviously, Ant-Man's coming to save the day and really, you know, we could have a single day at over 50 million instead of a, a whole weekend like this past Super Bowl weekend. So I just think that uh, we're going to really be off to the races this weekend and we're going to have a lot to talk about on our Ticket to Ride podcast. I just want to reintroduce my co-host because we like to do cold openings as they're called on this podcast with Mike Polydorus, president of Paper Airplane Media. And I'm Paul DeGarabedian, your 
co-host. I'm the senior media analyst for Comscore, and we love doing Ticket to Ride. I think this is a lot of fun, Mike. We're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about. We're going to have to really get revved up because it's going to be week after week of solid coverage by Ticket to Ride. What I do want to point out, though, Paul, and it's interesting, is you alluded to that Ant-Man is going to like really kind of kick things into high gear. But I would argue that so far... 2023 is playing out very much like a typical year at the box office, meaning there are ebbs and flows. There are things that are positives and negatives that are happening in the marketplace, but that's typical of any box office year. You can go back and look at and say, wow, that was a very down weekend. There weren't a lot of movies or that underperformed. Right. So what's going on so far this year to me is a much more normal cadence than we've seen in the last couple of years. And Mike, isn't that the best news? Because to have some sort of normalcy rather than anomaly is a good thing for our industry. And having the, you know, there's some Oscar contenders out there. You're exactly right. Super Bowl weekend kind of played like a traditional Super Bowl weekend. Got some Oscar contenders out there, some doing better than others. Not a huge bump for all those. Some are on streaming, some are available in the theater still. You've got ups and downs, the ebb and flow. Very much, it feels like 2019 or, you know, just a pre-pandemic year, which is great news for the industry. I don't think we'll get to 11 billion. That's subject for a whole other podcast in terms of the full year at the domestic box, but certainly well up from the 7.538 billion as noted by Comscore for the box office year of 2022. We're going to be looking at some really good numbers this year and some cool movies, Mike. I'm excited about a lot of movies coming up. Well, I mean, we kind of just touched on it as we were talking about what was screened just yesterday in the Super Bowl ads leading up to the summer. And it was really an eclectic group of films. And again, the studios believing that the Super Bowl was the best place to go and put best foot forward. They all had end cards that basically said in theaters only. Again, going back to the air trailer, the people I was with, they were really impressed that Amazon and in theaters only were on the same end card. There you go. That was making a statement that even the non-business types, and when I say now, they're not in our little world, but they got it. They got the message. If you go back over the course of time, the theatrical business has always faced challenges. We talk about it all the time. There was the, is television going to kill the movie business? People are just going to stay at home. And then it was, well, is the cable version going to do it? And then it was, will VHS end up, or Betamax? Right, the home video revolution. Will the DVDs end up being the one that kills it? Home theater is going to do it. And then it was streaming. Streaming's absolutely going to kill it. And here we are on the other side. And to your point, we're looking at a box office this year that is probably between nine, $10 billion on the conservative side. I agree. I think nine, and we need to be conservative, you know, got to manage expectations, but I agree with you, Mike. And there's just going to be so much to talk about. I wanted to ask you, do you want to tease a few, you know, we had Scott movie Mance. I hope everyone enjoyed that interview that came out last week. And, and Scott's a friend of the show and a, a personal friend of ours. And uh, we're going to have, you don't have to say who it is, Mike, it's up to you, but we're going to have more guests upcoming and we're going to have one within the next couple of weeks here if not sooner yeah we're going to have a couple of guests coming up and what we'd like to do is kind of tie them into um, movies that they might have coming out these are people who are kind of involved with the production and putting together some of these really interesting films 
that are talking to different segments of the audience as we're on the rebound. And we thought that, you know, our listeners might find that interesting just to hear how these are put together, what's different. You know, every movie is its, is its own kind of life cycle to it. And every, every movie has its own audience that it's looking for. And as the theatrical experience continues to evolve, and again, as we just said, it's evolving. You know, these are just what we, Paul and I thought would be interesting people to discuss and to talk to and various, yeah. you know, who have various, um, you know, pieces of the business that they deal with. You don't just have to listen to us. You're going to have other people listen to on the Ticket to Ride podcast. Well, Mike, I think we're going to leave it there. I, I, I really enjoyed our, hold on. I got some sound effects here. <laughs> And and you actually had the right network too, so that's even better. That, that there you go. You know, the, the, our friends at Fox will be very happy that uh, you gave them a plug. I kept it under seven seconds to not get a copyright strike, even though I don't. I think with that, I don't know that. Yeah, I don't would think care. they're going. I, I think they're going to be like, why didn't you play more of it? So exactly. Well, Mike, it was uh, quite a stupendous week uh, for us uh, to be able to, you know, really be almost more exciting than the Super Bowl. This discussion and. Uh, I'm sure you would agree. Although, although uh, you're not taking a holding penalty, but I know Paul, you probably didn't see what that was, but uh, everybody else knows what I'm talking about. Don't talk to me about holding penalties, man. I... <laughs> All right, Mike. Well, thank you for being here. I'll see you next week. And I'm looking forward to our next guest interview on Ticket to Ride. I'll see you soon, Mike. Take care, Paul.